Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception the Show. All right, Matt, uh, we we missed a podcast episode this week, but it's all good. We obviously had a uh, had a holiday. Uh, how'd your Christmas go, pal? Oh, I mean, Christmas was great. Um, you know, the NFL obviously making sure you're paying attention to the NFL at every <laughs> possible moment. Uh, exactly. You know, which is which is. No days Look, it off. was great to have games on. Uh, yeah, no days off. I'm I'm doing like recap articles from a Christmas Eve party <laughs> on uh, was it Sunday night. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. hey, man, it was it was fun. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed being back here with family at East Coast for the first time in years. So that was awesome. So um, I, I had a great Christmas. No complaints here. How about you? Oh yeah, good stuff. You know, uh, we got the fam going here, and um, my, my my the unfortunate part is that my son got pink eye, so we had to oh. keep it. We had to keep it localized, man. We couldn't do the that family stinks. stuff because uh, you know pink eye is so contagious, man. So we're we're just over here at the cribo, uh, opening some gifts and stuff like that. But you know the the nice thing about that though, this is trying to spin it positive here. Uh, is that uh, it uh, prolongs and elongates the Christmas holidays because now we have to reschedule the Christmas holidays. So we're going to open presents with, you know, the in-laws and all that kind of stuff. We're going to do that again 
right? So we'll we'll have um, there you go. We're almost it's almost like we're celebrating Christmas twice. So we'll see how it goes. Anyways, uh, big time as you mentioned, uh, the NFL never sleeps, it never rests, it never lets you rest, it never never lets you take a day off. So yeah. games all up and down the board here. Week sixteen was an exciting one. Uh, really, we saw some um, really just epic performances. We're going to be talking about Amari Cooper's. Uh, I mean, dang near pushing for three hundred in that game. Um, and, you know, I just feel bad for all the folks in those fantasy semis that decided to bench Amari Cooper for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, just crying into their beers uh, as he yeah. goes, just destroyer of worlds here. Uh, and again, listen, we are uh, we're a podcast that, uh, you know, we'll take responsibility when we can, but we'll talk about the performances, surprise pop performances from George Pickens and Gabe Davis as well. Uh, and the recent struggles, actually not even recent, the long struggles here of Stefan Diggs too. But Matt, as we sit here recording on this Wednesday afternoon, uh, clearly the, the biggest news I think in the NFL uh, is the continued quarterback carousel here in the NFL. Sam Howell, he's going to get sacked for one last time, as Jacoby Brissett oh. is named the starter there in Washington. And the big news, of course, is that in Denver, the Broncos are benching Russell Wilson, uh, and they're going to be going with um, Jarrett Stidham. It's bigger news because, A, of the, the player profile, obviously, of Russell Wilson, Matt, but also just what this means long term. It, it signals that Denver's moving on from Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's going to be a free agent, most likely, um, at, by by the time we're talking when the offseason rolls around. So, I don't know. What have you seen from Russell? Well, let's start with the Sam Howell bit there, and we'll get to Russell yeah. Wilson. Uh, what, what do you what, what do you make of the uh, the move in Washington? We posted a video on Instagram uh, of oh us God. talking about the Sam Howell situation. And I oh, mean, my God. The, the, the Sam Howell bros were out in force. I mean, just just slamming us for being the vitriol for, for not watching the game right up until. Strangely, I don't know <laughs> if there are any any new comments added None. calling us idiots. Zero after one p.m. <laughs> Eastern time on Sunday. Zero. That was, that was strangely yeah. where the, when the comments yeah. seemed to stop. <clears throat> I'm not yeah. not sure not sure why. Right. Um, look, I mean, I, and I don't even think we were that hard on Sam Howell, honestly. I mean, I think we we both agree that, like, I mean, I said in that video, I think he could be a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of quarterback uh, where he's like a spot starter. He's a very good backup. Like, I actually think Sam Howell has a bright future in the league, uh, weirdly enough. I mean, he's getting benched right now, but I think for a guy that was a day three draft pick, right. um, like, I think he has a, a bright future in the league as a guy that, I mean, look at how important backup quarterbacks are in the NFL right now when we're talking about all of these guys starting games. Like, I think if, if I have Sam Howell as my backup quarterback or a guy that I need to spot start, you know, because like I got a rookie that I'm trying to develop type thing, I actually feel really good about Sam Howell being that guy. But what we said on, on that show, what we said all year is that this offense is not set up to kind of let Sam Howell get easy buttons. Um, it's really a hard, it's a hard offense. And I think the fact that Jacoby Brissett has come in and over the last two weeks, like all the drives he started and like really finished have ended in touchdowns. He has the best passer rating and the best adjusted nets, net yards per attempt Crazy. among all quarterbacks the last two weeks. And it's not like he's just been in on final drives. Like he's actually made these game, com these games competitive at the end. And right. I think because like, yeah, it's, it's not that that means like, wow, Sam Howe sucks. Like there can be middle ground. And that's what's so frustrating having these conversations sometimes with, with fans where it's like, number one, like 
all I'm asking for you guys is is to demand better for yourselves. Okay, like don't just <laughs> and honestly, same applies to Russell Wilson, and we'll get uh-huh. to that point later. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's obviously some fraudulence in the production that Sam Howell has put up this year. Like you can you can have better at your quarterback position. I promise you than just like you know what what Sam Howell has given you. Like look a little deeper into it. Open up your eyes a little bit to to beyond just like passable play here. I think Sam Howell was just again the production was a little fraudulent, but Honestly, like, what's frustrating, too, is that this offense, like I said, I know Sam Howell is producing, but, like, Jacoby Reset comes in here, and, again, it doesn't mean that he's – but let me back that up a little bit. Like, I'm saying that J- Jacoby Brissett coming in here doesn't make Sam Howell, like, oh, he actually stunk. It's just, like, his production was a little overstating what he was doing, and I think the reason Brissett comes in here and produces because – Brissett's a veteran. He's been in a lot of offenses. He's seen everything. Like I think he can diagnose and run this offense a little bit more than Sam Howell, just because straight up because he has more experience. For sure. Uh, and, and again, I think we. I made it very clear that you know Sam Howell's got some tools. You know, yeah. I, I, again, I, it's funny if you actually listen to the podcast. I don't think either one of us were hating on Sam Howell. He's in a bad spot, and I think the quarterback-coordinator combination is not a good fit. Uh, but again, I, I've made it clear. I think Sam Howell's got some tools, man. He's got some arm, and he's got some moxie. I think I kind of like that. Uh, again, in a very high, low-end NFL starter or a high-end you know, backup quarterback. I think that's been great. Listen, man, we talk about these Instagram comments, bro. I mean, I'll just throw some out here, and this is just its just funny, bro. Okay, this guy, Blake Calder, says, I'll put a grand down that Sam has more success in the NFL than this garbage podcast does. Garbage, all caps. Two guys that'll never make it in the sports world grasping for attention. Bro, you think we're grasping for You think we're actually trying to grasp for attention by talking about Sam freaking Howell? Like, yeah. what, what are you talking about? This is a, the Sam Howell's a needle mover all of a sudden? Like, this is the guy that's, like, all of a sudden there's a lightning rod in sports? No, we're just talking about Sam Howell in the Washington Commander's office. What are you even talking about? Uh, and, again, just, um, you know, everyone telling us to cancel our podcast, hard watch, you know, bad take. Uh, they just giving anybody podcast equipment nowadays. Uh, the, uh, an Instagram account called My Love for Washington. This is embarrassing. You are clearly not watching the film. The man is balling and doing a great job for having the worst O-line in football. Brother, again, I didn't realize that when they inserted Jacoby Brissett, they also drafted a bunch of new offensive linemen. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's, that's interesting that they were able to do that, Washington. They bring in Brissett, draft a brand new offensive line, and Brissett just comes in there and does his thing. I mean... I, I wish they would have done that for Sam. Just you know, rotate in a brand new yeah. you know offensive line. It's it's unfortunate they didn't do that for him. You know, it's really unfortunate. But no, I mean, listen, man. Like you know, these comments were just I mean, out of control. Because I mean, you know, I guess one Washington fan must have shared it with another, and you know, it just all starts rolling downhill from there. But yeah, it's uh, it, the comment section in in that one particular video. Uh, really was absolutely insane. But you're right, man. Like, Jacoby Brissett comes in, and it's a microwave, man. Like, he just heats up the offense instantaneously. And not and he didn't just do that for one week, Matt. He did it for two yes. weeks in a row. You know, he did it against the Rams. Ex- exact same thing, you know. And I'll say this, too. I don't think people give enough credence or weight to complimentary football. And what I mean mm. by that is... Jacoby Brissett comes in and stabilizes the offense. They get cooking a little bit. And what does that mean? 
worse field position, more time of possession for Washington, worse field position for the uh, the opposing offenses, and it puts the opposing offenses in a little bit more of a bind. It's it's a little bit more difficult to score the football, right? Um, and so again, it's just these are complementary aspects of football. And I thought for that reason, Jacoby Brissett, believe it or not, actually helps the defense in that regards as well. Yeah, I mean, look, there's no denying that this is a rough defense. I mean, they it's horrible. were getting filleted all season long. Um, you know, they, it's the biggest reason that I think the team stinks is that the defense mm-hmm. has been poorly built, poorly constructed, and then obviously they just sold off a bunch of parts at the in the middle of the season because they know that this current brass is not going to be around long time in the long term. And that was that was definitely the funny thing about the Sam House stuff. It's like you know this guy's probably not going to be your quarterback like of the future because this entire coaching staff in front office is going to get wiped out and a new group is going to come in here and you're going to probably pick second or, or third in the draft and you're going to quarterback going to probably going to get a new quarterback there. Yep. So um, I I think th- the one thing that really crystallized with me and Sam Howe is actually because you know he gets. Um, it gets compared to, to Baker Mayfield a lot, right? Um, yeah, there's they're similar stature quarterbacks. Uh, mm-hmm. They have similar they have similar games for sure. Like I'm not the first one to compare Sam Howell and Baker Mayfield. They're they're actually just again pretty. It's a pretty common comp. The difference yeah. is one of those guys went top of the draft, the other went in the fifth round, right? <laughs> right. Um, right. And it's funny because man, I was saying earlier today, I'm like, yo, if if Sam Howell would just get the ball to his playmakers like Baker Mayfield does in Tampa Bay, like just pummel Mike Evans with targets. Like he probably would have had a better season. And then it dawned on me, like, you know what my number one complaint with Baker Mayfield was prior to the season? He could never get the ball to his number one receiver. Like in Carolina, he struggled so hard to connect with DJ Moore. In Cleveland, he struggled so hard to connect with Odo Beckham Jr. But he's doing it in Tampa Bay. I think the reason is because of coaching. The reason is because of like you putting that guy in a position to make that number one player the number one read most often and get them on like layup throws and more in just like again develop that chemistry and develop that connection. I think that was not done this year in Washington. It was definitely not done in the damn Browns offense under like Freddie Kitchens and those guys. <laughs> and it definitely wasn't done in Carolina under Matt Rule and and Ben McAdoo as the offensive coordinator Golly, last year. Okay. Yeah, so right, right, I exactly. think there's that that's actually when you got one of these guys as your starting quarterback like you've got to simplify the picture simplify the reads uh most often and, and i think dave canales the offense coordinator in tampa bay deserves a lot of credit for what he has done this year to get baker mayfield to this point not so coincidentally he was also the quarterback coach with geno smith um i think we talked about this last week but he's, yep, he's the sure quarterback did. coach with geno smith so uh, like i think a lot of this comes down to um to coaching and like putting that quarterback in position to succeed i do not think sam howell was put in a position to succeed for yep. all of his flaws and some of my issues with with him as a, a player and some of the fraudulence nature of the stats the real issue is here i don't think he was put in a position to succeed by this coaching staff this year yeah, I think that's a good point uh, that you certainly make right there. All right, but in Denver, okay, so the Broncos are benching Russell Wilson. By the way, I thought Russell Wilson played, you know, obviously he played much better than he did last year. Now, is he a great quarterback? I won't go that far, uh, but I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, he certainly came in, it looked like to me, with a renewed sense of passion and um, obviously got in shape um, this off season. But the Broncos are moving on. You know, um, and I thought Sean Payton kind of put him, you talk about coaches 
putting their quarterbacks in position to succeed. Um, I actually do think that Sean Payton put um, Russell Wilson in a position to succeed, uh, but it looks like Denver's now finished with with Russell Wilson. They're going to eat a bunch of dead money, man. Um, and it's for the second straight year, it's actually Jarrett Stidham replacing a veteran quarterback <laughs> with an iffy contract. Last year, Stidham did this exact same thing to Derek Carr. Because remember, Las Vegas benched Derek Carr to prevent that injury clause from firing, just like Denver is doing right now with Russell Wilson and waiting in the wings. It's Jared Stidham again. So uh, interesting stuff there that's happening with Jared Stidham in Denver. But uh, what do you make of the move here as uh, the Broncos are going to be moving on from Russell Wilson? Yeah, this is another one where like people would have argued you to the bitter end that like Broncos fans would have argued you to the bitter end that Russell Wilson's actually having a great season. You remember even Cortland Sutton, like put up a Russell Wilson apology form on his Instagram story, like midway through the year, right? <laughs> like the people would do the things. Well, oh, if you look at, look at Patrick Holmes has insert, however many touchdown passes and Russell Wilson has insert, however many touchdown passes. Yeah. Like Russ is having a great year. He's actually seventh in the NFL and passer rating right now, which is true. He is right now seventh in the NFL and passer rating. And he's getting friggin' benched. Like, um, I'm just, just, I'm just asking you, I'm begging you fans out there. Like do don't just accept, don't accept mediocrity. Okay. Push for the best possible thing that you can have. And to be like, don't just go to the bat to defend a player that your team is going to bench in the final quarter of the season. It's like, yeah, I know they're benching him because of financial reasons. But obviously the whole thing here is that he's his 2025 salary will become fully guaranteed on the fifth day of the, of the new league year based on medical reasons. So if he gets injured at the final two games, his 2025 salary of 37 million becomes yeah. completely guaranteed for injury. So that they're doing the same thing. Like you said, with Derek Carr last year, but let me, let me, trump that with this that if he's playing that well they're not thinking about the salary okay they don't give a damn about the money in 2025 because they're winning uh -huh. games right now and he has right. given them the best possible play and they're like yeah okay he becomes guaranteed in 2025 we're fine with that because he's a great quarterback russ is just not a great quarterback anymore he leads the nfl by a lot in check down percentage like he has been just getting like they have done a great job i think coaching wise putting the guardrails on him and for and sure and lifting him up. I will say this, though. I think Denver, like Russ is, I don't want to say like it's it's over for Russ in the NFL, but I do think it's over in terms of like selling him as a franchise solution. Yep. Um, I, I don't think that a team can acquire him next year. You know, maybe it's in a salary dump trade type of thing, or maybe he just gets outright cut because his future is definitely not, it's not in Denver. Um, that that that's for sure. It's not in Denver. So, can another team bring him in? I guess, but I don't think they can do it in a this guy is our starting quarterback type of way. I think maybe he can be in a competition. I think maybe he can be a placeholder for a rookie. Um, but he's he's definitely like the worst type of guy to have as a placeholder for a rookie because he's just too well known. Um, I don't know. So there's a lot at play there, but I do think. His time in the NFL as a clear-cut starter is over. And then I just look back to the Broncos and think, man, that's almost like a blank slate of an offense, bro. Um, yeah. Because 
Cortland Sutton's balling out, but then like he leaves after two routes with a concussion in week 16, and suddenly you're looking at their receiver room. Like The guys that are running the most routes on the team is Jerry Judy. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Jerry Judy. Brandon Johnston, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Marvin Whoa. Mims. We've talked about him on the show. He's been a disaster as a route runner, as a rookie. It's like Adam Troutman, Lucas Kroll. Like, you know, it's a running back room that's been pretty hit or miss this year. I, I almost think like Sean Payton is looking at a complete blank slate in terms of the offense he can build in 2024 and beyond. The fact that Jerry Judy still was only able to garner five targets and haul in three for 44 yards in a game where, again, it's just a room that is bereft of talent. I, I, I thought that was problematic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and again, this is a guy that um, has not had a single 100-yard game this year. Um, as a matter of fact, this is a per this is a player, Jerry Judy, that has not cracked. Um, his season high is 81. 81 um, on the season, and that was in week number three. Matt Harmon, this player, uh, has cracked 70 yards just one time after that. So, uh, you know, again, even, even as a number two outside of Cortland Sutton, you would think, all right, well, they're going to throw the ball 25, 30 times this game. I mean, Jerry Judy should be taking home anywhere between, you know, seven and eight targets a game. No, uh, you know, again, if you were to listen to the uh, to the Judy bros out there, this guy should be taking home 10 targets a game. But uh, seven to eight targets, I think, is a very reasonable expectation uh, for his role in this offense. And more often than not, man, it's just that just wasn't the case, you know. So I'm I'm curious to see what this team does with Jerry Judy moving forward as well. Yeah, I, I agree. He's on his fifth-year option in 2024, so it's the final year of his contract. I mean, maybe they try to trade him again this year. He was on the trade block last year. Good that luck. was what was like kind of crazy about last offseason. Everybody's like, well, they tried to trade Cortland Sutton. Well, they tried to trade both of these receivers if anybody yeah. would have taken the deal. Maybe some team should have given up a pick for Cortland Sutton. Like, I bet they could have given up a fourth or something like that. I mean, Carolina, you should have you should have 100% made that call. <laughs> uh, but could right. you imagine this? Could you imagine this Broncos offense with that Cortland Sutton this year? Oh, oh boy, that would have been a disaster. Oh, boy. Um, right. Like last year, I think they were asking for a second round pick for Jerry Judy, right? Which what, to yeah. me was was crazy at the time, and and you know got some pushback for that. But like he's, I don't think they could fetch anything more than like a, thir a day three pick this year if they try to trade him. But I, I I'm at least interested to see what he looks like on another team, just because this offense was so limited this year. Um, I didn't think he would like not clear seven targets in a game at all this year, um, but that has been the case so far this season. So, uh, but again, I, I don't think he'll be a part of this team's future. I mean, Marvin Mims again. You just you got to count on a big development leap happening from what he showed as a rookie to really be like a full time contributor. Otherwise, you're you're looking at Sutton and and probably. I mean, hopefully he just can't be running these like Brandon Johnson and little Jordan Humphrey. Like he just can't be running that out and like, like being a serious <laughs> pass offense. This, this offense was, I would, I would say this probably was the most conservative offense in the league this year. And it that was. is saying something with some of the quarterbacks we've seen start games this season. Well, and, and again, I know a lot of Bronco fans get upset because, you know, they, they try to keep it on the ground a little bit. Um, and there's a lot of screen passes and stuff like that. But again, I, I guess I would what counter I? with what else? What, what I I'm listen I'm I'm the first guy to say hey listen attack you know you, you got to set up you know some some plays to to attack and, and clear out you know spaces of the field to get your guys open but I just again I, I guess I would counter that with just saying I'm looking at Jerry Judy 
I don't even know if he's giving maximum effort. Um, and if he is giving maximum effort, he's certainly not creating a lot of separation. And I think the target totals would tell you that, you know what I mean? So again, uh, yeah, they could call some different plays. I, I sure. But what are you going to call? <laughs> you know, what plays are you going to call here? They're in a little bit of a bind. You know, they've got an aging quarterback, uh, who's not playing at an elite level and outside of Cortland Sutton, and by the way, Cortland Sutton, who I think is great, I think he's been playing great football. I don't think he's, uh, you know, again, just a locked and loaded, you know, stud number one wide receiver. 100%, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he's a guy that is absolutely benefiting right now uh, from there being a complete dearth of talent around him, you know? And again, I'm not taking anything away from Cortland Sutton. I think he's a good player, but he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. There's a difference. You know what I mean? He's not A.J. Brown out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, you know, he's he's a good player. He's not a great player. So, I don't know. Denver's offense right now uh, is certainly in a little bit of a bind. Um, and I, I'm curious to see what kind of magic um, Sean Payton and the boys kind of cook up for next season. And really, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I think this these next two weeks, Matt, will will certainly give a lot of clues, I think, um, to to how they want to run this offense because Stidham's coming in here, blank slate, you know, all those kind of things, and uh, we'll get to see a little bit of Sean Payton magic if he's still got anything left, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I, we'll see. I can't believe Jared Stidham's been this guy for two years in a row. It's pretty, I know. Uh, it's I know. Funny. In the exact same scenario. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I want to go over the, the, the list of Week 16 starters, starting quarterbacks in the NFL, just because... I went through this exercise, Matt, and it is absolutely wild, wild. Okay, in the in the AFC East, it's Trevor Simeon, Bailey Zappi are going to be starting games. In the AFC North, dude, it's Joe Flacco, Mason Rudolph, Jake Browning starting games. <laughs> in the AFC North, I mean Lamar Jackson in Baltimore is just sitting there. I mean, just happy as all get out, man. They've got to be looking at these other quarterbacks and thinking, this is who we're going up against. This is great. I love it. Uh, in the AFC South, uh, again, a lot of question marks. But how about C.J. Beathard, possibly? Gardner Minshew, for sure. Uh, possibly Davis Mills. And then in Tennessee, who knows what's happening? Is it Levis? Is it Tannehill? I mean, it's unbelievable. The AFC South is an absolute war zone right now. The AFC West, oh my God. Aiden O'Connell, Jarrett Stidham, Easton Stick are three of your starting quarterbacks in the AFC West. Matt, remember two years ago? The oh, hype? The, I, I was going to say the AFC West hype was crazy. Crazy. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. Those were your starters two years ago. And man... I was one of these people, man. I was freaking giddy to see an AFC West matchup. You know, every week I thought it was going to be an absolute battle. Nope, not the case. NFC East, we've got Jacoby Brissett. And then again, I don't know what's going on with the Giants. Is it DeVito? Is it Tyrod? I don't know. And then around the NFL, you've got the Vikings. Again, don't know what we're doing with the Is it Mullins? Is it Hall? Who is it? I don't know. We got Taylor Heineke in Atlanta. And what are we going to see in San Francisco? Is Brock Purdy going to be good to go? Or are we going to see Sam Darnold in a Niners uniform starting a game for the Niners? I don't know. But it's absolute mayhem and madness on the quarterback streets, Matt Harmon, as we go into week number, uh, what is it, 17. Yeah, it's absurd. Uh, the the amount of backup quarterbacks we've seen. It would have been kind of an upset if we didn't get a Jarrett Stidham start, and because that was like a clear situation of 
Ooh, they went out and they got Garrett Sidham <laughs> real fast in free agency, and, and we knew that yeah. Russell Wilson was coming off a down right. year. Um, so it would have been kind of an upset if we didn't see Jared Stidham get a start in That's with crazy, all man. of this madness. And, I mean, it's just funny. Like, some of these teams, Aiden O'Connell's been starting for the Raiders. I mean, shout out to the Raiders, who, I mean, look awesome at this point. You know, right. Their defense is balling out. I think Antonio Pierce deserves that job. But, like, Aiden oh, O'Connell's been Aiden O'Connell's been starting for this team for a while. Gardner Minshew... He doesn't even like sometimes get looped into these backup quarterback talks, but like that's just because he's been starting forever for this team. So, I mean, even DeVito, like now it's back to Tyrod, you know, like we haven't seen yep. Danny Dimes in a hundred years. So, um, yeah, it's it's crazy that this season has just been so defined by the backup quarterback. Um, kind of brings you back to my point of like, yeah, you know what? If I have Sam Howell as my backup quarterback, like I'm definitely feeling actually pretty good about that going forward. Yeah, crazy stuff. Um, okay, so Stefan Diggs this year, Matt, um, certainly has been a huge disappointment uh, in fantasy football, but just in real life, it's been an interesting journey for him uh, and certainly not very positive, right? Week 16, eight targets, five grabs for 29. It was the ninth consecutive game that he has had fewer than 100 receiving yards. It's a player, Matt, that uh, in Diggs that just turned 30 last month. Uh, what is the temperature check right now on Stefan Diggs? Yeah, it's funny. Um... Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply how we talk about like, you know, I always talk about like, you got to look at seasons in pockets, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially with just some of these, um, make this point later with Amari Cooper, like it's important to look at these seasons in pockets and and not, and and like the end of season numbers can kind of not tell you like the journey uh, of of how we, how we took to get there. Cause if you look at digs from an end of like a full season perspective, you're like, yeah, we're headed into week 10 and he has a thousand yards and eight touchdowns and ninety six catches. Like, what are we talking about? Like, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good year. If you just look at the first six weeks of the season, he had six hundred twenty yards, five touchdowns, seventy four percent catch rate on sixty six targets. He's averaging over ten targets per game, and he yep. was on pace for seventeen hundred receiving yards. Like, wow! I definitely thought like after the first six weeks, like Stefan Diggs is on pace for a career season. 
then the team kind of goes into the tank a little bit, right? They lose to New England. They lose to Cincinnati. They lose to the damn Broncos. They fire their offensive coordinator. Right. So a lot of chaos in Baltimore, or excuse me, in Buffalo, right? So there's a lot going on there. Um, you know, I think it's funny too. Again, like this is this is what we do, right? We remember seasons sometimes for how they start, and then we forget how they finish, and then other times we only remember how they finish and not how they started. Because, um, and I think like just the most recent thing usually is the most pressing thing on our mind. And obviously, like Diggs has two more games to change the narrative. He has sure. maybe potentially a bunch of games in the playoffs to change the mm-hmm. narrative, right? In terms of how his season ends, because. I do think it's interesting that the last two weeks he's played 46 and 60% of the snaps. Uh, you know, this is a guy who for a long stretch was never leaving the field. So that makes me ask a couple of different questions. Like one, are we potentially dealing with an unreported injury? I think that's always on, always on my radar when we, when we've got these like weird snap counts where he's rotating in and out of the field with like um, Trent Shurfield. And I mean, obviously guys like Khalil Shakir and Gabe Davis are more like full-time players, but like, I watch that Chargers game. I see a lot of Trent Sherfield out there. Um, I also see um, – I went back and charted the the, the game against uh, the, the Chargers too. And, like, there's – you know, I, there's no separation issues, right? There's no real, like, route running issues. Like, there are a couple of missed opportunities. I mean, big downfield routes that – if Josh Allen's a little more accurate on some of these throws, um, we're talking about a very different stat line. Mm-hmm. Um, where some of the games against Kansas City, like I think there were a few drops by Diggs, we're definitely talking about a different story here. So, like the margin for error is very thin in football, and like one to two plays can change the entire conversation we're having about a player. Because if you sure. look at like first read target share, target share, any of that stuff from the last three games. Diggs is up there like Diggs. It's not as if he's not getting opportunity. We're talking about a couple missed opportunities. We're not talking about a player that I think looks, I mean, maybe he's, uh, he's turning 30. Maybe he's sort of in a, a different stage of his career, but in terms of like route running, getting open separation, even getting open on like big post routes, I don't see a declining player. So there, there, let me put that part of it to bed. One thing I will say though, and my most important kind of takeaway here with the, 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 the Stefan Diggs sort of like down ticking production of late this is a guy that what has been the number one thing we've complained about with the Buffalo Bills offense the last few years? Like, okay, it's great. We've got a lot of Stefan Diggs. We've got a lot of Josh Allen. Who else is going to step up? What is their counterpunch? This is a team right now that has a lot of counterpunches. I yeah. mean, they have a really good run game. They have other guys like Khalil Shakir. They have other guys like Dalton Kincaid. Maybe not so much right now, but like you see Gabe Davis pops off for a big game. Like this is a team that has a lot of answers right now. And then when they need it, and Josh Allen even pointed this out post game. Yeah, we go to Stefan Diggs on third down on the final on the final drive of the game. And we uh, we end up winning this game because Stefan Diggs is clutch on on third down. So there's a lot of things at play here. But I would say the one thing I'd. I'd give positively about Buffalo right now is that under Joe Brady, like they've won a lot of games. They've only lost once since they made this offensive coordinator change that hasn't coincided with Diggs being a big factor in the offense, or at least a big producer in the offense. Yeah. But it has resulted in other things stepping up like the run game, like Josh Allen as a rusher. Um, other than some of these ancillary players popping up. I mean, remember, we're talking about Gabe Davis. Like, he has this big game against the Chargers. He had gone without – I mean, he's, he's, he went catchless in the Jets game, in the uh, Cowboys game, in the Chiefs game. Like, this is just not the same offense that it was. No, not at all. Not at all. In the early part of the season and certainly the last few seasons. 
Yeah, you take a look at his first six games. We're talking about Stefan Diggs. He's averaging 11 targets per game. Then over his last nine, that drops from 11 to 8.8. It's not a huge downturn in volume, but it is notable. Uh, He goes from 8.2 receptions to 5.2 receptions. That's a huge downtick. 103 receiving yards per game down to 50. That's very notable. Uh, And the touchdowns too, right? Like uh, he was on a 14 touchdown pace over his first six games. Over his last nine games, he's on a six touchdown pace. So again, a significant downturn. Uh, right there the the snap percentage stuff I, I wasn't privy to that you know and, and I always do look at snap counts across the board but you know I just never really thought to look at snap counts for Stefan Diggs because <laughs> I mean again he basically never leaves the field but to your point in this Chargers game yo he played less than 60 percent of the snaps he played as many snaps as Khalil Shakir Trent Shurfield mm-hmm. is, is playing more snaps than him Gabe Davis is out there for 85 percent of the snaps right so this is interesting um uh, I, I do wonder if there is a little bit of an ailment um uh, working with with Stefan Diggs now worst case scenario and I know people listening are, are maybe thinking this is it also possibly an attitude thing and again, I, we haven't heard anything in regards to that, but we haven't heard anything in regards to an injury. There's really not that many explanations as to why Stefan Diggs is coming off the field 40% of the time. Obviously have no idea in terms of – now, like, when I'm watching him play, like, he seems perfectly engaged with what's going on. Um, like, he's excited when teammates are, are getting first downs. Now, there was definitely one play where he, I mean, runs a crispy – uh, out route against double coverage, man coverage, and, and he gets wide, wide open, and the ball goes to Gabe Davis, and 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 he is definitely like frustrated over that. But that you see that all the time with receivers. Like, yeah, that's nothing you know, out of the normal, right? That's nothing out of the normal. But I'm not seeing a player that's like loafing out there. I'm not yeah, seeing same. any 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 of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So right now, definitely, could he be? Now, the one thing I know about like know about Stefan, and like you know, I've talked to him over the years, and and, and connected with him over the years, like. This is a guy that definitely like he definitely wants the ball and wants to be productive. That's the case with every wide receiver in the NFL. Sure, like that's that's course. not a that isn't a unique uh thing, okay? Um however, he definitely also wants to win. Like he wants to be a part of part of the team winning and I think previously he's felt in this in in prior versions of the offense like they would go, they would, you know, he would be double covered. And that's another thing too. Like this is a guy that gets more defensive attention and more cloud coverage and secondary coverage than like anybody else in the league. Um, he was at least like one or two each of the last two seasons in terms of double covered rate in reception perception. Like he's a guy that gets a ton of extra defensive attention. And I think he has felt that at times like they would go away from him until like the last moment when they need to unlock him. Right. <laughs> which is um, definitely true, <laughs> which is definitely true yeah. over the last two seasons. Yeah. For I sure think that's this true. year, and, and it would result in, I mean, a great example is that playoff game where he certainly obviously was not happy after it against the Cincinnati Bengals where they couldn't get anything going. And then at the end, it's like, wow, we're throwing like just low throw percentage. Yep. We're throwing low percentage balls to, to Steph Diggs and, he, and he's opened it. We're hoping he can bail us out, even though he's getting double coverage right now. I think obviously that's not been uh, the case this year because when he has been double covered, when teams are trying to take him away, like you have other answers and it's not just prayer balls to Gabe Davis. Now you can do the prayer ball thing to Gabe Davis in single coverage when you're going against the chargers and like, 
Yeah, go, go go up there. But then you've got the run game. You've got James Cook as a pass catcher. You've got these uh, tight ends. You've got Khalil Shakir. Like, the, that's the thing that with Buffalo right now, it's hard to like sit here and be like, ah, man, what's up with Steph Diggs? Because the offense is is working. Now, and they're winning. I mean, and they're winning. I, I obviously I don't know what Steph thinks about that. I don't know like where he's at from a mental perspective. If, if he's most concerned about his stats or like let me get the hell out of Buffalo at the end of the season. But I do know this is a guy that desperately wants to win. Desperately wants to win a Super Bowl. And I, what I know when I watch this team right now is I don't see any drop off in Stephon Diggs's individual play. Other than I mean, but I am at least got the, got my kind of like squint up about the about the injury potentially or if there's mm-hmm. something going on there but don't see a lot of drop off in his, his individual play but I know for sure this team has a lot of answers beyond Stefan Diggs right now which bad for Diggs if you wanted to win your fantasy championship this year but good for the <laughs> Buffalo Bills offense I think there's a I, I do think though Matt that there is an intermediate answer there where I think Joe Brady does need to dial up some more first read plays here um, for Stefan Diggs. And I definitely don't feel like we have enough of those. Right. Um, and again, whether, and, and they can't be these little, you know, stick routes or, you know what I mean? Short comebacks or whatever, right? Like, or wide receiver screens. I'm talking run some big boy routes. He's your primary read. You, you've worked out a, you know, a play design where, you know, he, you can't double cover the guy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, I, I think there's, there's gotta be a little bit more of a happy medium there. Now, that being said too, I do think though, that Diggs needs to play a little bit better, right? Just, I mean, again, just a skosh, right? Um, again, we're talking first six games. This has, this guy's again, catching everything 74% catch rate, right? Over his last nine games, he's sub 60, 59% catch rate. Now, again, I just think some of that is on is on Allen, no question. But some of that too is on Diggs, right? So he needs mm-hmm. to play just a touch better. Uh, but I do think that Joe Brady needs to find some answers uh, in regards to first read offense, where you're just like, "Nah, Diggs is your primary. Let's get him the ball. You know, let's let's run him on a deep over. Let's get again. How it's so hard to double cover a guy on a deep over, right?" Let's get this guy, you know, maybe a dagger concept or something, you know, or a, a deep in cut, right? Like something where, you know, again, we're we're waiting for this play to develop, open up a little bit, and we're going to, you know, fire a 15-yard pass out to Stefan Diggs and let this guy cook, right? Because that is yeah. really where, I mean, he wins, man. I mean, he mm-hmm. wins in that intermediate area of the field. Let's get him the ball right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, there are a few, again, to, to bring back that Chargers film, like there are a few opportunities where, you know, they were looking at big overplays where Diggs gets open sometimes in zone coverage, sometimes against man and double coverage. Um, right. And, and just Josh Allen just missed it. Like he's just, it just, it's a little off. Um, that doesn't mean like, oh, it's all Josh Allen's fault or anything like that. It's just there are a couple of missed opportunities by the quarterback. But if you look just since week 11, just since week 11, when uh, Joe Brady took over as the offensive coordinator, and like, again, I think this offense has functioned so much better mm-hmm. in the back half of the season than it did with Ken Dorsey for a lot of different reasons. But it just straight up has functioned better. Diggs also has a nine percent drop rate. He's dropped four passes in that season, in that stretch there. Like that's right. not a, that's not a consistent part of his game. So it could just like that's that's kind of what I'm saying here is like this is a rough pocket of production, and there are a lot of factors to blame here. Like I think we always want to look for like 
in football one thing to blame or like oh, one yeah. person one person <laughs> oh, yeah. to blame well oh, this sure. receiver is not producing well he, either he's not playing oh, well sure. or the quarterback is not playing yep. well you're right and like that is just totally way too way too binary for how this sport yeah. works okay right. and by the way like <laughs> again if, if steph Diggs goes off against the patriots this week he can't be surprised or he goes off in week 18 against the dolphins can't be surprised if he doesn't if he has another couple slow games in those ones but then Oh man, we're talking playoff run for the Bills and like Steph Diggs and Josh Allen are cooking like it's 2020 or 2021. Like again, you can't be surprised. Like so much of this stuff can be just noise and I mean, I don't want to say noise because these are real things that play in the real game. Yeah. Um, but it's just like that's why production is so t- like just looking at the end results and the production can be a little misleading because there are so many different factors at play. Okay, um, Stefan Diggs struggling a little bit. Uh, certainly, this is one of his worst nine-week stretches that he's had in his career, for sure. Uh, Puka Nakua, though, man, he just keeps turning it up. You know, we're talking about a guy, 11 targets, nine grabs, 164, and a touchdown last week. And, and again, he just, you know, he's had some down games here and there, but seemingly Matt Stafford is able to find Puka Nakua, and Puka Nakua is able to turn some of these, you know, um, relatively mundane catches into big plays. You know, he, he's making some <laughs> splash plays out here for sure, uh, and he is making the most of his opportunities. Um, look, we know that Puka Nakua is the real deal um, at this point in the season, but are there any long-term lessons that we can kind of take away from this whole Puka Nakua experience? Well, one, I think the number one long-term lesson we can take away from Puka Nakua is trust your eyes. Okay. Mm. Because the, and yo, you can dig up some, some rough old takes exposed style tweets from people after week one, you know, saying like, man, shout out to all the idiots who are going to blow all their fab on Puka Nakua or <laughs> man, it's going to be tough when Puka Nakua comes out in week two and, you know, lays an egg against the, uh, against the damn 49ers uh-huh. or like calling him Travis. Uh, what was the guy Travis Fulgham or like the, these like randos who have popped up for big games. You can find a lot of, lot of, lot of rough oh, yeah. old takes about oh, yeah. the old Puka Nakua stuff after week oh, yeah. one. But man, like the, the week one stat line was a surprise but it was not a fluke because if you go mm-hmm. in and look at what he did in week one, like it was all legit stuff. Like it was all big boy routes, man coverage, crucial, critical Sean McVay routes, like those big in breakers, dig routes and, and slant routes and crossing routes and all that stuff. It was just like, oh yeah, you can tell that not, this is not like some, whoa, surprising performance. Like, no, this was stuff they had planned and built on in the offseason for this player right like right this guy not just some player this player and that brings to the second point with the puka nakua stuff is that you know i've gotten this question a lot like what lessons can we learn from the his his prospect profile yeah and and it's funny because like his prospect profile was very good right like mm-hmm. 6 201 um 74.2% success rate versus man coverage. You know, just shy of 79% success rate versus zone. 73.3% success rate versus press in reception perception in the in the rookie roundup mini sample of, of players. Guy was able to do all of this stuff in college. Like, he was this good in college. The problem is just he had an injury history. So he had mm. kind of like an incomplete profile, right? There's a reason I'm talking about him in mini samples here because you didn't get like – a bunch of games to look at for him because he was banged up as a, as a prospect. He's been banged up a lot as a rookie. That does at least like, you got to be a little concerned about that as a, as in, in the future. Um, 
but it, it's it's one thing too where we talk about like I mean five of eighty three percent contested catch rate like a guy that would consistently break multiple tackles ten percent of his in space attempt he broke multiple tackles like BYU drew up rushing plays for him you saw him against the Saints take like a big rushing play for a long game that was such vintage Pukunakua stuff at BYU like. It just it's tough when you're grading these guys that have the injury history because you just don't know what's going to happen there. But and then the third and final point here, like lessons learned for Puka, mm-hmm. landing spot matters, man. Oh um, my god, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you talked about this. You talked about this extensively with Cooper Cup, right? Yeah. If if Cooper Cup doesn't land with Sean McVay and the Rams. He doesn't end up being Cooper Cup like we know him, no. you know? I mean, there's a universe, out, there's a multiverse out there where Cooper Cup ends up with, like, the Washington Commanders and never plays a game. A hundred percent. I mean, Washington's a great team to bring up. But, like, yeah, because these are guys that aren't – they're not really built like these type of receivers. I mean, Puka's, like I said, over 200 pounds, 6'2". Like, Cooper Cup is not a small little slot receiver, but they've used him as that big slot receiver in a, one of – at least at parts of his career, one of the most singular roles in the NFL. Right. And that's not to take anything away from Pukunaku or Cooper Cup. Um, but it's just, it, it, it is a reminder that, man, these good offensive coaches can really take a player and like envision something from them when they, when they see it um, and not try to put that square peg in the round hole or, or try to put a guy in a box, right? Because that's really when you get these guys fully unlocked in, in advantageous spots is when you see a coach that can kind of draw up something sure. different for them. And I mean, Puka Nakua is a great example too. Cause like, he's not the fastest player in the world. Like typically you'd think, ah, the guy I want on those like jet motion plays or full speed motion stuff. Like I want Tutu Atwell doing that. And they have used Tutu yeah. Atwell at times like doing that stuff too. But you get like a big dude like this that runs those crossing routes on, and you get him a full head of steam in, in terms of full field motions, or uh-huh. you know you get him on outbreaking routes where Puka, as a prospect, he ran an out route on nine point six percent of his sample routes, had a seventy five percent success rate on those out routes. Um, you know the, those out routes are also kind of staples in the Sean McVay Matthew Stafford offense because he's mm-hmm. so white hot pushing the ball outside the numbers. You get Puka Nakua running full speed motion, full field motion from one side to the other, and then you just rip him uh, on those on those out routes. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get some big plays there. So it, it's just it's great to see a prospect like this get fully unlocked in this type of landing spot. And yeah, I think we should put a premium, I, I guess, from when teams like this that are able to craft these singular roles for these players, like draft a guy that had a had great college film. And, and then really can kind of let him fly in this role. So, I mean, I don't know, man. He's he's going to be a fascinating receiver to track throughout the course of his career because there's nothing fluky about what he's done this year. It's all been totally legit. Uh, the thing I, I love about the profile that you wrote about him, um, and this is what you wrote here, Nakua also sneaks up on you as an after-catch mover. I like his build-up speed when uninterrupted and contact balance in the open field. He consistently fights for extra yardage. Nakua went down on first contact on just over 55% of his in-space attempts, broke multiple tackles on 10%. Um, yeah, I mean, that right there is, is to me, one of the stories of Puka Nakua. You know, again, I started this by saying he takes relatively routine, mundane opportunities and turns them into something, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's been the most impressive for me about Puka Nakua. I mean, he's turning plays that 
Any old wide receiver is turning into like 15 yards. He's turning him into 50, <laughs> you know? And how is he doing it? It's not because he's fast or a twitchy player. It's just he's tough as nails, man. Uh, and yeah. he fights oh. you off, man. He's going to – he you absolutely have to bring your lunch pail when you're playing Puka Nakua, man, because he's going to make you work. <laughs> he, he would, like, wear you out as an opposing defense, that's for sure. And I think yeah. that's like – he gets like it's all of these guys that get like hotter as the game goes on, like Kyron Williams, same way. And I, I think there's something to it. Like these are just like day three draft picks, right? Like Kyron sure. Williams, Puka Nakua, like yep, they yep, have yep. that chip on their shoulder. And, and, you know, I mean, both these guys fell in the draft for Kyron Williams is a smaller back, right? He missed some time this year. Another kind of injury sort of thing there. Um, yeah. You know, Puka Nakua, the injury stuff, it's just like the, being doubted and everything, it, you know, it fuels these guys for sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, I'm, I, I just, I'm such a fan of Puka's game. Was a fan of it as a prospect. I think he's definitely come to outkick everybody's expectations. My expectations Everyone's. certainly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, he's he's one of the most enjoyable receivers to watch um, because you know, he is like tough as nails too in the run game. Like, I mean, that's another thing too. Great point. Great Man, point. He, he, great run blocker loves to get up in there and, and fit the run and stuff like that. And and that is a premium in this offense, man. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially Gotta this version, this version of the Rams offense <laughs> where they're running all this like duo and power run stuff. Like it's crazy. If you just, if you sat somebody down and like, somehow removed all the, 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 the biases and removed the, the, the jerseys and like the colors on it, like black and yeah. white film made him watch it. it was, you would never guess that the 2017 Rams offense and like the 2023 Rams offense were coached by the same guy because it just looks, yeah. what they do is just so different from the outside run game stuff, like the play action stuff, what they do in the drop back pass game this year. It's all so different, but it's a, uh, it's beautiful. And I mean, shout out to Sean McVay and all these guys for getting the best out of a really talented player in Pukunakua. I think for me, I think that's just been the most impressive thing, honestly, is the fact that McVay has completely refit his run scheme. You know, I mean, we're talking about almost an exclusively outside zone guy uh, when he first came on the scene with L.A. And it was extremely successful, man. I mean, crazy successful, uh, his outside zone stuff, you know. And again, it, and if it wasn't outside zone, it's like, you know, tosses out there to the, um, you know, and just getting to the outside, basically get to the outside get to the outside, got to make it work, you know? And then again, building that passing offense off of that outside zone. This is when, you know, naked bootlegs become a thing for him, right? And that was extremely effective under a Sean McVay offense. And then now what have they done? It's all inside zone, duo, you know, gap scheme type of stuff, pulling guards. I mean, it's it's nuts. I mean, this is old school power football. It's crazy. I, I just, it's crazy, man. Um, uh, and, and, and certainly has been very impressive uh, what they have done. And again, I, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say I know for a fact that he was top three in terms of, you know, runs that went outside the tackle box um, over the past, you know, three, four, five years. And then this year, he's like bottom five. Like everything is between the tackles. Everything is an inside zone. Everything is duo. Everything is gap scheme. It's nuts. Uh, and again, just, just uh, for a coach to be able to do that, um, learn that on the fly, and then be as effective as he is with it. Psh, come on, man. Sean McVay, man. He's just, he's otherworldly right now uh, with his stuff right now. Um, okay, so Puka Nuku, we love him. Amari Cooper, man, just absolute destroyer of worlds, man. We talk about the best singular wide receiver performance of the year. This is it 15 targets, 11 grabs, 265. 
and two touchdowns. Unbelievable. Uh, again, there was a, a point there, man, where we thought, okay, this guy might legitimately crack three hundo here. I mean, he might crack three bills. He might break Flipper Anderson's record. Uh, he was just running so hot. Uh, him and, and Wacko for Flacco are just on a different level right now. Uh, but again, 265 through the air for, for, for Amari Cooper, just crushing opposing defenses in that ball game. Uh, what did you see from Cooper? Yeah, look, man, I mean. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Amari Cooper, now, he leads, he leads the Browns in terms of single-game receiving yardage, uh, like, record. In history. He, he, right. In history, which is, I think, so fitting because Amari Cooper, and I have said this a lot, I said it coming into this year, I don't give a damn what the stats say. Like, Amari Cooper has played the best football of his career in a Cleveland Browns uniform. The last two seasons of his career with the Browns have been the best of any seasons he's had in the NFL. And this is a guy that's put up big numbers in in Oakland, and then in Dallas certainly put up some big numbers and big yep. games and stuff like that. Um, but... Look, now now the stats back it up. Like now he holds a record for the Browns, right? I think that's so fitting because of how he's played with this team and you know, people people will get on me about like uh you're you're biased, you only like hype up your guys and 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 uh like you, you know, I've I've got like favorites and I play favorites and I'm like favoritism and stuff like that. No, 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 no. I, I I'm not biased. I just tell you like what I just tell you what's happening on film. I just chart the games and tell you what's happening on film like the truth of it. I'm not I'm not trying to yeah trying to play games with you here because Amari Cooper to be straight like is not a player I've always been that high on I've actually no. been kind of lower than consensus on him over the years oh, much but, lower much lower but but that's because he's been an inconsistent player right he would have these monster games and then he yes would, he would he'd disappear be, run these great routes and then he would disappear and not because of like other factors but because he just wasn't playing the same way all the way through but there has been none of that in Cleveland so far and like we're not talking about in Dallas he was kind of this off-ball flanker receiver. They would move him around pre-snap, get him in yep. advantageous spots. Dude, in Cleveland, straight I said X. this in his in his 2022 profile, just straight-up X receiver. On the line of scrimmage for 69.6% of his snaps in 2022, he's an outside receiver on 80%. Like He is a big boy X receiver. 71% success rate versus man in 2022. Yeah, just straight-up X receiver stuff. The hardest role you can play in a receiver room. And like running big boy routes too mm. right like running downfield routes outbreaking routes and he was really good on these routes like you look at again in 2022 
it's been a rocky quarterback situation in Cleveland, no doubt about it, the last two years. But again, 83.3% success rate on post routes, 87.1% success rate on dig routes, and 91.3% success rate on out routes. Those are downfield routes, intermediate, big boy, vertical routes. Um, and and he was getting open. He's been and, and now he just has a quarterback that can hit him. Like I, it's mm-hmm. crazy that it's Joe freaking Flacco in 2023. <laughs> but like crazy, Flacco's okay. like yeah, this guy's open. He's my oh ex receiver. He's beating man press coverage and his releases off the line are great. And and shoot, I'm gonna rip it to this guy on a crossing route. I'm gonna rip it to him on a backside dig. I'm gonna rip it to him on out routes. And and Amari Cooper, the one thing that he's really graduated. I mean, this is a guy that like in especially with the Raiders, but even with Dallas too would struggle and i mean really struggle in contested situations yeah and now he's like the sideline toe tapping god (laughs) i mean just shout out to amari cooper for truly taking his game to another level and really like i said having the best two seasons of his career with the cleveland browns graduating as a player and now he's got a guy, somehow it's Joe Flacco, you know, How? off the couch. How but somehow Flacco? he's got a guy now. For all the dudes they've trotted out in Cleveland, Kevin Svansky trusts Joe Flacco to, in his bones. He's got trust for Joe Flacco. And Joe Flacco is rewarding Amari Cooper for that great play with great production now. Very interesting stuff. This is the fourth time that my guy Amari Cooper has eclipsed 200 yards receiving. That is nuts. Third different team, third different quarterback that he has eclipsed 200 yards. That is crazy. Once with Derek Carr, twice with Dak Prescott, and now once with uh, Joe Flacco in the year of our Lord 2023 in a Cleveland Browns uniform. Clearly, this man's highs are as high as anyone in the game. But you talk about the inconsistencies, Matt. This is very interesting. In the games following his 200-yard performances, you want to know what he did? So 217, he pops off and gets 217 yards. The very next week, he has 32 receiving yards. In 2019, he pops off for 226 through the air. Very next week, he has three receiving yards three <laughs> when he was with the Oakland Raiders 210 through the air against Kansas City very next week five catches for 48 yards so again that's the level of inconsistency now I haven't double checked uh, his Cleveland numbers here but I don't believe he has ever had three consecutive games of 100 receiving yards for a player that is clearly as talented as he is, Matt Harmon. I don't know which is more surprising. The fact that he has four different 200-yard performances or the fact that he's never put together three consecutive 100-yard games. Yeah, just looking at it, he definitely never did that. Um, he, he has stretches where uh, <laughs> it last year with the Cleveland Browns, he has 17 yards in the opener and then 101, 101, and then nine yards uh, in, in week four. This was last season. He has another stretch where he has 131 yards, 32 yards, and 113 yards. So never, definitely never did a three straight. And then even this year, like, and this is kind of what I was going to say about, like, pockets um, of a season with um, with 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 the uh, with, we talk about with Steph Diggs. I'm talking about with Amari Cooper here. Um, he had like 116 yards, 16 yards, and 108 yards. That 16 <laughs> yard game 
is the DTR first start of the the season. So uh -huh. like yeah, yeah, yeah. quarterback issues, right? Um, and then <clears throat> obviously though this this is kind of where like I had people be like, ah, oh, I, I did bench Jamari Cooper in fantasy because, you know, he's so inconsistent and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, but you got to look at, like, the pocket of the season with just Joe Flacco, and he really actually hasn't been that inconsistent. He had 34 yards in Joe Flacco's first start in Week 13, but he also left that game early. I, th I think it was with a concussion or, or some sort of injury. He left that game early. So you got to keep that in context. Next game, 14 targets, 77 yards. Week 15, eight targets, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, 15 targets, obviously, with the 265 and two touchdowns. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, I, you, the pocket of where Joe Flacco's been at quarterback, they've been dropping back to pass at an absurd rate. They've been throwing the ball all over the yard, and, and Amari has obviously been uh, money. But I'm sure you're freaking people out with this, like, what the game <laughs> after the 200, because he goes against Jets on Thursday Night Football, which is like, a tough matchup, too. Tough matchup, man. Very tough matchup. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'll be curious to see what happens. You know, again, generally when he pops off, he, he doesn't do it two games in a row. You know, uh, I mean, and I'm saying this knowing that he just went for two games in a row. Okay. <laughs> week 15. I mean, uh, again, you know, uh, week 14 or whatever it was, um, you know, his previous two games, he, he goes for 109 and a touch and then he goes for 265 and two touchdowns. So obviously two really big performances uh, back to back here for Amari Cooper. Can he make it three in a row? Can, he, can this be the year with Joe Flacco as his quarterback, Matt Harmon, that he finally gets three consecutive hundred plus yard games? I don't know. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Oh, crazy stuff. Um, hey, listen, by the way, um, I am not anything. Uh, if, if, if anything, I, I am certainly, I, I like to keep myself, you know, accountable. All right. Uh, and I know that we have come on this podcast, Matt Harmon, and uh, picked apart the games of both Gabe Davis and, and George Pickens, you know, inconsistent uh, X receivers. And, and again, you know, I, I know my mentions and I know your mentions too. Okay. <laughs> when George Pickens goes crazy, for uh, four catches, 195 and two touchdowns. And Gabe Davis in the same weekend goes for another four catches for 130 and a touchdown as well. Um, and again, I'm just, I just want to own up to it. I just want to own up to it. Uh, I know Pickens and Gabe Davis both had strong, strong performances here uh, last week. But it doesn't take away from the fact that these are two very inconsistent players. Uh, yeah, I mean, Gabe Davis literally had two games right before that with zero catches, zero, three zero. targets. I yeah. mean, like I said earlier in the Steph Diggs section, his box score. <laughs> I mean, this this is some absurd Gabe Davis stuff. Uh, but just since that, uh, the the game before the game, the game after where Joe Brady lost his job. So, um, Cincinnati Bengals game, zero catches. Yep. Denver, two for fifty six. Jets, zero targets, obviously zero catches. Then the Eagles game, 12 targets, 105 yards, touchdown. Kansas City, zero. Dallas, zero catches on one target. And then obviously the six-target explosion for Gabe Davis, 130 yards, a touchdown. That's the funny thing about Gabe Davis. like He's kind of like a rich man's MVS mm -hmm. where he just – I mean, dude, MVS. Oh, I, yeah, it's, yeah, this tough. <sighs> it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's tough. tough. It's it, a tough it, watch. It it, it, it really watch. does. It kills me that we spend so much time talking about like Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore and like Rasheed Rice and it's just like, <laughs> dude, MVS is just out there running like all the routes and they gave this guy like legit money and he's a veteran and he, <laughs> he's such a mess. 
kills me. <laughs> uh, kills kills me that we don't talk enough about that. Um, but he's like a rich man's MVS, where he's just like a very inconsistent vertical receiver. He doesn't suck, right? Like that's what I'm saying. There's a there's a middle ground with players. You can live in that middle ground. Where like Gabe Davis doesn't suck. He just yeah. overmatches like a true number two in an offense where it's like. He is our counterpunch to Steph Diggs. Can't have that. Can't have that. Um, but it, it's just he has definitely been Gabe Davising very hard um, this season, like with the inconsistency and the volatility. But the end of the season numbers are going to actually end up looking probably better than last year. I mean, provided he doesn't go two games with zero catches to end the season here, um, he's <laughs> he, he has right now like it's just over forty. He 43 catches, 725 yards, and seven touchdowns. Last year, he had 93 targets, 48 catches, 836 yards, and seven touchdowns. So um, his end-of-season numbers are going to look pretty much the same. Just got there very differently. Now, George Pickens, though, let's talk about this. Uh, okay. I regret nothing of what I said on last la- the last podcast. Nothing. Zero. Nada. I don't take any of it back. I mean everything <laughs> I said, and I don't regret any of it. Good. Perfect. That being said, because it's what, like, what are we talking about here? This, I actually did take the Instagram video down and the Twitter video down of that because uh, it was posted like right before kickoff. And the last thing I need is like a bunch of hindsight goofballs in my mentions yeah, yeah, about yeah. like, yeah, 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 man, George Pickens yeah, is really right. showing you. Like, right. bro, all I said was what everybody else said about George Pickens was just like, put in more effort because you can be a good player. Put in more effort and you can you can produce like crazy and you can be awesome. And you know what he did? He went out against a bad Bengals defense and yep. put it out there. Like, dude, I that I regret nothing of what I said because I'm not shitting on George Pickens. I'm not saying George Pickens can't play, but he has like you're not good enough to do the loafing thing. You're you're yeah. not. Like you're yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. you're not Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown also didn't loaf. Like like none of these great receivers oh, never. never never like loafed it out there or anything. Um now he you lost just, his he lost his damn mind at the end now, of his yeah, career. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> off his jersey and stuff, but sure. I don't think but, he ever loafed. Right, right. Like that's that's the thing here is I mean, you just can't do that stuff because it's even if you are even if you are right about like this offense stinks and these quarterbacks aren't good enough to get the best out of me. And by the way, George Pickens is right about that, okay? He's, 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 those quarterbacks are not good in Pittsburgh and this offense is not very well set up. You just can't protest it in that way. There's a different way to go about it. Um, and you got to put in full effort on Sundays and when you do, you can be a great player. And I think George Pickens has the potential to be a great player. Like, I don't know my, this again, like I said, there's a middle ground with this stuff. Um, and I have existed in the gray area with George Pickens. I'm not the can't, can't separate it all. He sucks. Can't even play him. Cause there are people that think that, and I'm not the other side of it, which is this guy's actually secretly a, a, a hall of famer because he makes incredible catches. Like, Maybe he can be that guy. I don't think he's ever going to be this guy, the terrible guy. I don't think that's the case. Maybe he can grow to be that guy, but like you don't get that by like not run blocking for your teammates and stuff like that. Okay. So there's just (laughs) a different way to go about it. But I I maintain everything I said last podcast. I stand by that. And everything I said right now, I stand by that exists in the gray area here. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. doesn't need to be binary. It's not one or zero. 
All right. Uh, there's there's room for growth. There's a there's a curve when we talk about players. Uh, by the way, should be mentioned both players had incredible matchups. Bengals, Gate and and the Chargers have absolutely struggled defending outside wide receivers. Guess what? Pickens, Gabe Davis, they go both pop off. By the way, Gabe Davis has another great matchup this week against New England because New England, they struggle defending outside wide receivers. So we shall see. Uh, what happens with both of these players as we move forward. So so there you go. Anyways, the show has been running a little bit long, but that's okay. I had a lot of fun uh, talking about this stuff and breaking it all down. Um, all right, so again, if, if you've stuck with us this long, man, we definitely appreciate you. Happy holidays to everyone out there. But uh, for Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you. And remember, it's never too late to chase your dreams. All right, peace. <laughs>